The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Danny, precisely one year ago today, we ranked the NBA's power forwards. And now we shall try it again. I think this is the position we haven't gotten to center or point guard yet. But off the top of my head, I think this is going to be the position that we're going to see the greatest change from last year. That makes sense. I mean, you have some guys moving up and some guys moving down. And we don't I don't think we need to dwell too much on the criteria and everything like that. Um, the starting starting a season in playoffs today and injury you you wipe away like current injuries but injury propensity chronic things of course that counts um the more the more systems you can play in the more versatile your game is the better um and it's and, and again we define positions by who you would be on the average team not what you play on your current team because that allows it to be closer to apples to apples and as always if you don't hear someone that presumably means they are at a different position or they're not good enough to be ranked. We'll see. There are uh, a number of <laughs> players at this position. It's pretty crazy. And I thought it was interesting, not surprising, but how many fewer small forwards we had to rank because I think there are a lot of guys who I would consider to be natural twos or more natural fours, as we'll get to, who are being pressed into service of the three because there just aren't enough threes to go around. But for these ranking purposes, that doesn't necessarily make them threes. Now, if you can play the three, and similarly, if you can play the five with this group, that that's going to get you some extra points to be sure uh before we get started though i wanted to apologize yesterday our spreadsheet was messed up i should have caught it we were doing three-point attempts per i'm sorry per game rather than three-point attempts per 36 minutes when we were talking about the positional averages and some of these players so for small forwards the top line number we said it was 4.9 three-point attempts per 36 minutes was the positional average for players with over a thousand minutes that's actually 5.6 so that's a, a little bit higher than we thought it was and then recall that it's about seven for the shooting guards here for the power forwards it's 4.8 uh, so go and, ahead, and the, and the three-point percentage is down just a shade under 34 percent. so that's that's a significant difference as well though average <laughs> at power forward is thornier than other positions because there is so much more difference between the best and the worst well and just to be clear uh, on that, especially when you're doing a, an average, it can really be dragged down by one person. There's only 50 players that are power forwards who have played over a thousand minutes that are in this sample this year. And one of them is
is Ben Simmons, who has a three-point percentage of zero. I think it might only be heaves even that he's taken. So if you take Ben Simmons out, then it's... 34.5% rather than 33.8% as a positional average. Still pretty low, honestly, uh, for uh, the positional average here uh, when you consider that the NBA average is in the annually in the 36-37% range. So this this definitely has a position of guys who don't shoot it that well, or if they do shoot it, are kind of more acceptable shooters. Maybe they're being left open by some teams. It's the first guy who's going to get left who's standing at the arc. Um, I was actually in 4.9 for 36 minutes. That's uh, as a positional average definitely very interesting you probably have eh, maybe small forward would be it but uh, the greatest diversity in play styles uh, and there are a lot of guys who do a lot of different things and we've talked about this Denny that power forward what kind of a power forward you have in many ways is most determinative of what the play style of your team is going to be on both ends of the floor and yeah it's I, I mean I use Julius Randle a lot for this he was he was kind of the inspiration for this idea but if you have a power forward who isn't great at switching if you have a power forward that you don't want to leave on an island well then that might lend you to specific styles and what they do offensively it it totally shifts things and so players who can thrive next to other great talent and who can be on ball who can be off ball who can that like, that that's fantastic and and that leads in some ways for me for some of the real risers on this list it's the confidence that i have that they could do things in other systems and then there are there are basic thresholds for defense it's like are you a clear value add are you a possible value add are you a negative are you a neutral and then the, the, that ties in with the offense so you know if you're a really good offensive player and you're neutral on defense that's a lot better than being a clear negative because then teams have to you know you're you're you have to build your talent a little differently and everything else so we will get into this of course yeah absolutely and i think something to keep in mind here as we go through these is that's great if you have a lot of scoring skills at this position but unless you are so good as a scorer that you're like almost like an all nba level a guy or same thing maybe on the defensive end as well once you get to someone who's like okay like yeah you're a pretty good score you know say like tobias harris or something like that like pretty good score but you know not really that great defensively uh, although harris has made strides there so maybe maybe that's a little bit outdated maybe you could think of like what julius randall was last year as opposed to this year like he'll be a big riser obviously with the, the way he's playing this year but if you're like what julius randall was last year yeah you're scoring a lot of points maybe it's not like so good that you're like oh man we really want to give this guy the ball every time and once you get to that point then it becomes comes to me i would prioritize guys who fit better next to other players who at least can make enough shots to be respected offensively and then can be solid enough defensively to switch or protect the rim or something like that like who can just be more of a complementary piece i think this is the position where having a guy who doesn't fit well with others is kind of the most damaging because you're if you have a guy who can't shoot for example or a guy who can't defend that just changes the entire way that you want to play on either end of the floor and so that it just makes it so much harder on everyone else even if you can do stuff for yourself now there's so many compromises that come with that so uh and, and that's yeah. true even of the top players on this list like that it is not a yeah. circumstance where yeah. in part because of how we've differentiated you know taking players like kevin durant and classifying him as a small forward and in part you know like anthony davis being classified as a five then that thins the field out a little bit but yeah i mean it's true the whole way down it's just that the best of the best are so great at what they're great at that you deal with everything else and i think no player is better it better epitomizes that than Giannis Antetokounmpo who is my number one tier one and i don't want to engage in hypotheticals about who would potentially be in a tier with him if we allowed different players to be classified as power forwards because we're going to solve that with top 
10 players in the league eventually. So you don't need to do that. But especially of the field that is available, he is in a level by himself, a fantastic defensive player, can play kind of functionally the four or the five. And then even if his offensive game hasn't been quite as great this year as some of the other standards, he is still a very, very good offensive player. And the context for the Bucks a lot makes me more comfortable seeing this as at least partially aberrational. Yeah, you may pass go and head directly to top 10 players in the NBA discussion, Giannis. He's so clearly in a tier above everyone else uh, that I think we can just move on at this point and a more nuanced discussion of him can wait until we get to top 10 players and I think again something that's very interesting about this next group is there really isn't anyone else at power forward and again I think that's the nature of this position and maybe perhaps part of why as you noted there are other players who maybe could be power fours but we have them and can play power four but we have them classified as threes but the nature of this position is that you're kind of it's really hard to be because you're probably playing next to a center it's really hard to be like a first team all nba level of player at this position there just aren't that many of them and so i actually had a group here much larger tier than we might have going down at some of the other positions i have a group of six players now in my next tier i i broke it up i wouldn't be surprised if they're similar players um i ended up just having a tier two of one guy and i might feel stupid about it because of how much time he misses but to me the difference between Zion Williamson and everybody else in this list is that he has that first team second team all NBA talent and has yeah. been that player before whereas some of the other players on that are going to comprise your tier don't I do give Zion a significant demerit for his not only I mean his inability to stay healthy is a partial concern it's in some ways similar to former New Orleans player Anthony Davis where there's nothing that's recurring but he misses you kind of have to pencil in Zion Williamson over let's call it like a two or a three year scope missing some significant time he not only takes a while to get back from things but it takes him longer to get to a hundred percent and he plays more poorly when he's not a hundred percent than most guys than almost everybody actually but he can be that offensive engine he can be a capable defensive player if he can produce be more what he was for a stretch like a month or six weeks this season then we start to really talk about Zion in a different place but for me the idea that he could be that player is valuable enough to me to put him separate from everyone else so i think there are some who will say i agree with what you said about zion being the only other guy that's really got you know first or second team nba talent that has shown the ability to play at that low i think he played that way in his one healthy season and he played that way for you know about a two-month period this year before he went down and so some people might be like well hey you said with Kawhi leonard that if a guy is at a clearly higher level level of play then the guys blow him he should be in a separate tier and you know i think some people would hear me say that and say like yeah why isn't Zion in a separate tier than these other guys like at his best i think he is better than all these guys um but there's a different level of injuries that he's experienced than Kawhi or anthony davis first of all Kawhi and anthony davis have played at like first team on nba levels for multiple seasons Kawhi leonard is a two-time finals mvp he's and have playoff five. resumes yeah and have playoff resumes precisely and and so zion number one isn't quite at that level uh but number two it's the injuries are so bad like it, it, i mean if we just look at the sample that he's had he's basically had i mean how many career games has zion williamson played like he's played less than 50 percent of the games in his career right as we're recording this podcast zion williamson has played 114 nba contests holy shit he played 24 games his rookie year 61 his second year then had a full season where he didn't play and then 29 so far this year yeah 
and he's going to end up under 40 obviously this year again so you're talking about a guy who not only does he have not have the playoff track record not only are there major fit concerns about him still although again he's the guy who's good enough to be the system when healthy but it's just he comparing like his injuries to Anthony Davis's and Kawhi Leonard is really a disservice to those guys I would say because like Zion is just he hasn't had a career really right he's never he's never played in a playoff game or like he, he's never played in a play-in game it, it's just and who knows maybe he'll be back and we'll, we'll get to see him again but it's just you at this point he's a guy who is if you're gonna say how many games is this guy gonna play in his career going forward I mean history has shown that it's less than 50 percent of the games in a season that's a whole other level than all right Kawhi came back from the ACL but that was one acute injury and then he misses back to back so same thing with Anthony Davis so uh so that's that was the reason why I dropped Zion down with some of these other gentlemen uh and I'll I'll name all five of them here and this is not necessarily in order yet I kind of wanted to talk through it before I finalize it but my rough order right now Jaron Jackson Jr. Draymond Green Lowry Markkinen Pascal Siakam Julius Randle I have I have my next group I have it split a little bit differently but it has five players and we only have one swap out um and that we'll talk about that but let's let's get to the other players first I think that's can I guess who your other guy is sure Evan Mobley yes and and you left out Randall probably I I did yeah okay and Randall's in my tier he's in my tier below those guys like it's not like he's he's not far behind he's he's just he's in the next group um and so but let's let's start kind of towards the top I mean you have it in rough order I have the same first two there both former Michigan State players I ended up I mean so the the Draymond Green Jaron Jackson Jr. discussion is fascinating because I mean you and I have talked about this ad nauseum that Draymond Green is brutal to evaluate in this context because offensively the Golden State Warriors protect him from from a lot of the things that what they maximize him I would say pretty close like he can't really shoot much so they give him the ball he makes good decisions but plays with unbelievable spacing most of the time and so like Draymond Green well let me let me actually counter that a little bit I think he has actually been very effective for them this year without Steph on the floor when he's been separated from him now I wouldn't consider him as playing with unbelievable spacing if he's on the second unit with like Jordan Poole Clay Thompson and like Jamichael Green or something like that like yeah it helps to have him next to a stretch five for sure like but or but he can also play next to a stretch four and be the five pretty well so I, I and I also I want to give him credit too for really improving his finishing at the rim uh where that that at least he can you know do the fake DHOs get there like he'll actually go into guys and finish in a way that I he it's surprising at age 33 there's actually a much better finisher than he was two three four years ago I mean probably even at the end of the the KD era so that's again I I want you to get back to what you're saying but I for that perspective I think actually he has alleviated those concerns to me a little bit about his offensive ability mm. now you still have to give him the ball but that he can still play within with without Steph Curry and there are ways with like normal players he could be effective there are ways but it does require specific work and and some degree of specific talent I mean Draymond Green's scoring usage is the lowest of anybody will consider anywhere remotely close to this he's below 10 percent there and if you ramped if you scaled that up if you tried to ha- say hey Draymond take more shots his efficiency is going to drop precipitously like there aren't sure he's not leaving many good shots on the table other than the times where I think he could finish and instead passes to Kavon Looney or whoever else that used to be JaVale for a long time and the thing that keeps Draymond like keeps Draymond up for and the other big demerit with Draymond is that historically he hasn't shown the same defensive panache when he's been on a less competitive team so the idea that you're not necessarily like because remember we're imagining this player on a randomized team we're not imagining them on their 
current one, because that does various players' services and disservices, is that if you shake up the mix, and this, who knows, this may happen three months from now, and all of a sudden Draymond Green's on a fringe playoff team, I don't know that you get peak Draymond. A, you less likely that you'll get that playoff value, and B, less likely that you'll get that same level of execution in the regular season. That is a smaller demerit for me, and that doesn't like supersede him being the best playoff defender of his generation and showing no particular signs of letting up there when you consider the 2022 NBA playoff run and finals run and everything else. But it is something to consider. And it's why for me, like having Draymond in the same tier with some of the players that you talked about is completely fair. Yeah, the competitiveness thing for Draymond, again, I understand why you would say that. And certainly the memories of him playing on that team in 1920 without Steph Curry are pretty miserable uh, on both ends. But I do think, you know, particularly if he was trying to get paid, like the year after that, they were, he was playing with Steph, but basically no one else. And I thought he had a really good year. He was an all defense player. And, you know, this year, again, they haven't been that good, but I don't think it's been his fault. Um, So I I think his, there's really only that one season, I think, where you could say that he wasn't competitive. And that's also coming off of five straight finals appearances, knowing that they had no chance. I mean, the entire organization took a a gap year, basically, that year. So it's a concern to me, but I also think that he's he's only had one season like that in his career and there have been two mediocre seasons now they obviously still have higher aspiration but there have been two mediocre seasons where i think he's still been very good um and, and to be clear i think he is the, the reason he's here is he's the best defensive player in basketball definitely the best playoff defensive player in basketball and I, he still would be my pick for defensive player of the year uh he's number two in defensive epm below jaron we've talked uh, about you know jaron and not being able to play as many minutes as as why i probably actually should have him below Draymond although he does have more offensive versatility which which is what I have I have Draymond yeah. three Jaron Jackson four yeah no I, I think that's um, where I am also too. worth noting Jaron Jackson Jr the reason that we asked Dan who's thankfully compiling these stats to include personal fouls for 36 minutes because we're like oh yeah that's that's important <laughs> and- man I just love American Giant just an amazing clothing company I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then I get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us 
Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Jaron Jackson is, I mean, and we will inevitably have lots of conversations about his defense, hopefully not only just in the awards context, but also in the playoff context, we're going to get more from the Grizzlies. And Jackson, his ideal offensive role is also kind of interesting. Like he he fits the general outlines of that kind of like three and D big, which is very, which which is encouraging. Like his role within the Grizzlies offense isn't massive. And his three point attempt rate has actually dropped pretty significantly from the highs of a couple of years ago. Um, that nineteen twenty yeah, season. Yeah, we're still chasing that dragon of his three-point shooting in his second year. In 1920, yeah, where he would, that year, 39% on 8.2 per 36. This year, 35% on 6 per 36. And those are now, at with massive variance involved, roughly his career average. And so that makes things harder. You know, you wish that was a little bit higher. But the good news for Jackson is that last year he was abysmal from two. It was like below 50%, which for even a big who taste spends a lot of time in the perimeter is pretty bad so but that getting up there that means that jackson is a he's a above average efficiency above average efficiency player and he doesn't have as many like dunks and stuff as some of the other bigs where that can buttress your effective field goal percentage and and true shooting and all that and jaron does no distribution but you also don't need him to do distribution he's good enough defensively so like i ended up having draymond and jaron jackson in a tier above the other guys but i i i toyed a lot with not having that tier division at all so i understand why you did why you did it the other way yeah i think there are definitely a reasonable number of teams that would rather have marketing siakam or randall over jackson or draymond although i do think that maybe really good teams you you might your high-end outcomes with draymond and jackson might be a little bit more to get that additional defense from the power forward position which again as we'll go through like yeah there it's expected to be a defensive position but there aren't that many of these guys who are above average defensively particularly not in that way that are actually providing meaningful rim protection at this position like that's relatively few guys particularly when you throw out the guys who are kind of almost more center like so that to be able to get that and Giannis of course is the biggest example of this but other than Draymond and Jaron but to be able to get that type of rim protection at this position and then you can also in theory play a center or you can play that guy at center again that's an additional value right like Julius Randle and Markinen we'll see that it's interesting we'll 
we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, on him but you know Siakam Randall like those guys are kind of more one position guys um so right and so yeah. from a from a team building perspective it allows you to go in a lot of different directions if you want to play more of an offensive centric center significantly more viable if you're doing that with Jaron or with Draymond or with Giannis but also if you want to play a defensive center and wall things off or run it as a rotation like that's something that the Bucks have done so well so typically their their big man rotation since since Robin Lopez left has been Brooke Giannis and Portis and by having those two guys you can make Bobby Portis a lot more viable as a frontcourt player on a really good team and so you get value there too and he's of course a talented offensive player so the like that next group is really fascinating because you have some really high risers and I think the place we could start there is with Lowry Markkinen. Markkinen what I really like about him and why I'm comfortable with him in this area even though this has been of course the high watermark for his career so far is a we've seen development and b the in part because he changed teams during this year is that we've seen him be successful on we've been seen him be a part of a successful defense not as the best player in it but as a competent player within it and we've seen him truly amplify an offense and that combination is actually genuinely rare like Markkanen is a very talented offensive player who is showing the ability to be a larger part if you need it and do reasonably well but also not killing you on the other end of the floor even though I'm not willing to go so far as to call him like a a true plus on that end not being a true minus with how good of an offensive player he is is a pretty big win yeah I think so and starting with the offense first the reason I have him ranked above Siakam and Randall is I think it's just his ability to fit into a team concept like you can certainly run plays for him and they're starting to do more like he still is not the creator in isolation that Randall or Siakam are but he also has been unbelievable you just give me the top line numbers for Lowry Markkinen this year because they are quite insane just I'll do so true true shooting 65% on the basketball reference version 26% usage if you want the total usage that part no version it's about 30% which is lower than some of these guys taking about eight three-pointers per 36 minutes which is well above the positional average and making 40% of them and this is not all patty cake easy attempts like there's there's some tough stuff in here and that's truly incredible you know if you want points per 36 uh 26 and he's rebounding the ball reasonably well the the jazz defense hasn't been amazing when he's been on the floor but it also hasn't been it's been better when he's been on and then when he's been off yes i want to save the defense on him too because i I think there are some people would be like hey you know randall siakam like these guys have more of a track record like i might even be convinced to put mark in above jaron jackson in the end Mm. so now my concerns about him offensively how real is the 40 percent three-point shooting yeah he has not really been at that level or this attempt rate before so that's a little bit of a concern for that's probably the biggest thing where i feel like i'd like to see more he also is just you know pretty much the clay thompson of the power forward position in terms of his passing he's getting better there but you know his playmaking usage is infinitesimal for a guy with that usage rate 4.2 percent good time actually to get into some of the positional averages here uh the playmaking usage for the position this is all these guys i think of some of the low usage guys that are here 6.4 percent 16.5 percent scoring usage and 25.1 percent total usage and then the traditional usage uh 19 percent so that's a well below average obviously is 20 percent there uh that's just scoring and turnover usage combined and again not a surprise we're getting into the bigger positions like these are generally going to be guys with less ball skills and so uh, again just to kind of note that when you do get some more from this position it's nice but then you're also potentially changing your team around but marketing offensively doesn't do that like he's got a ton of gravity off the ball you can run screens for him off the ball obviously as a spot 
spot-up shooter, he's excellent. He's really good in pushing the ball in transition, finishing around the rim uh, on any kind of dump-offs. He'll do some offensive rebounding also. So, like, he'll fit in on any team. Uh, and that's what I really like about him compared to Siakam or Randall, where, there, again, there are some teams maybe you'd want to have. I mean, I'm not even sure if there's any team where Randall or Siakam is better <laughs> than Markkanen offensively, at least what he's been this year. Those guys have more track records. Well, and, Randall and- is fluctuated too. We'll get to him, but... That, that gets into a part of why I ended up with Siakam at the bottom of this group and then had Randall in the group below is the idea of floor raising versus ceiling raising. So yeah. Randall has has been awesome this year. He has been a part of a successful team with the Knicks, and I've been extremely encouraged by that. So want to acknowledge the steps that he's taken. And, and thankfully, it looks like last year was more the fluke than the season before when he won most improved player. Like we're getting a season more in line with what he did that year. And that that's fantastic for him. Fantastic for the Knicks. Can, can he get most improved? player again this year is he eligible not in my heart um who knows what other people will do but with randall like and i actually think this with siakam too it's funny you and i've argued a lot about siakam over the last year is and but this is and this is a point that i I agree with you on which is if either of those guys if you need to lean heavily on them offensively if you need to lean heavily on them they're not they're not they can they have more capability maybe than some other guys especially than like jaron jackson or somebody like that to do it but they're not going to be fantastic at it like if pascal siakam is your best offensive player your offense is going to be fine it's not going to be great it might not even be good and with randall i think it's kind of similar i mean they've been you know getting jalen brunson in there has made a huge difference for a reason yeah and, and i then, would probably say brunson i would consider him their best offensive 100 percent randall 100 and 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 improving the overall like talent and spacing has made life better for randall and randall is also doing better um and then so you have that and then you're like well wh- how do they fit in on a really good team and both i mean i mean siakam has been on a very good team it was an earlier stage in his career but like you know the Raptors of course won a championship and then his D I think that Siakam's defense has taken a step back in part because of the offensive role that he has with this Raptors team and so I think I think there's like a better version of him defensively still in there and then with Randall like he's not terrible but there I mean Tibbs there you could see very specifically that there are certain things that he just doesn't trust Julius Randall to do and you know defend out on an island being an important one and that changes the way the Knicks defend and if they had somebody who did different things well like it could be there and so I ended up lowering those guys relative because that combination of the teams you make better you're not making great and you don't fit as well on great teams but I think Siakam is a checks those boxes generally a little bit better than Randall which is why I have them a little different but not dramatically different yeah and that's why I put them in in the same group uh uh, so I want to finish up a little bit on marketing and there are some intriguing things in the defensive data about him as a rim protector now he only contests seven percent of opponent shots are on the basket and he's played some three for these guys you know there have been times when he's even been tasked as the lead perimeter defender on this team i think he's held up like okay ish there uh but he's actually per sus stats 14th in the NBA at points saved per 100 over positional average. Now that's because he's characterized as a forward and that baseline is lower. But opponents are shooting uh, pretty poorly around the rim when he contests uh, 56%, which is, again, for a power forward, that's pretty good. So you wonder on a different team, I mean, the Jazz best players are generally big, so and they don't have any threes and, and wings. But what would happen if you, on a different team, were actually playing Markin in at center? I, I was generally of the opinion that he just... Just wouldn't give you enough as a rim protector and he doesn't block a lot of shots either but he is, does have pretty quick feet and he can jump so i think he is capable of using his chest uh, on verticality plays could he 
play more center on a different team with some rings around him and then also have some switchability like that's that's interesting to me Um, as a possibility I I don't count it too much in this but I also think of these players you know is he a better defender than Siakam Eh, no it's not to not even close to me why is Siakam so good I want to caution you on when you're talking about Larry Merkin's room protection last year last year when he was on the Cavs again we're dealing with small sample sizes opponent shot 68 percent on shots Larry Merkin and contested the rip and so I think he's improved since that point but do I think it's a sea change no I personally don't yeah I think it's just something to keep an eye on I agree with you I I share that caution and and Merkin is a way worse man-to-man defender than Siakam like Siakam gives you is is Siakam like still really that good at this point yes I mean I I I I, I don't think he's elite that's why I don't have him in the same place as the elite guys and and I'm willing to give some latitude especially because I I think that for guys who have the capability but and have done it before but have a have an outsized offensive role like I mean we might as well talk about that part of Siakam in this next bit but like he has a larger role within his offense than almost anybody we've discussed before I think he's miscast for that but generally speaking if a player does a lot of that then I'm 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 accepting of it's more anomalous for the player to then also be killing it on the defensive end because most players can't do that one other thing I want to say, I think we've hit on all these guys enough here, but I think it's very interesting that none of these players have max contracts. Even Siakam only got four years. He, he's at the max, but he only got four years. He wasn't even a no-brainer uh, full five-year max. Well, and, and, that, that? and that shows you, I think that shows you where the, the like, for example, I don't think any... Well, I guess Zion does. Zion, Zion does. But, um, and yeah. I have him in a separate tier. Is that none of these players, I think, are going to be in firm conversation for us for top 10 players in the league. Like, we're just... No, like it, it, it In part because some of the players are in, classified in different boxes. This is a different level of player, and they're good. They can make your team better, but they're not best player on a championship team level, other than Giannis, and that's why he's a mile and a half from everyone else. So I, there, I mean, if Markkanen plays the level he has this year, he is a max player for sure. Like that, that's he's an All NBA consideration. Like that's that's what that is. But none of them have also necessarily done it year after year. Or the ones like like Draymond. I mean, he's just such an unusual fit, such an unusual player, and so some of and I mean, I think Julius Randle's instructive here. We're like, he'll have some good years and then he'll ha- he might have one that's, you know, a clunker every few. And I hope that the clunkers get fewer and further between. That could very well be the case. And I want to talk about the last guy that I have in this group. Yes, that you yes. And that's Evan Mobley. And Mobley, a couple of interesting things about him. So I am, of course, less of a believer now than I was when he was in college that Mobley can shoulder a larger offensive role. He, you know, he hasn't quite shown the playmaking ball handling chops, even if he is improving in those elements and is still exceedingly young and Mobley not taking and not making three pointers like I mean he's at 21% and he's only taking one and a half per 36 if you want to kind of think about that you go like somebody like Draymond Green you think Draymond Green doesn't take many threes the the bat he puts the backpack on he's taking about 25% more threes than than Evan Mobley is and the Cavs could use that like if Evan Mobley could do it it would be great and Mobley shooting 21% Draymond Green is this season and again that's a specific sample Draymond Green is shooting 32%. I mean, Evan Mobley is a center offensively. And the only reason we have him at power forward, I think, is just because, and maybe even he probably should be ranked as a center. I think as he fills out, that will be the case, obviously. And he even plays plenty of center, too. His his defensive game is more of a power forward. And I personally, you know, I've vouched for this. I've I've argued this for years. Players should be sorted defensively rather than offensively. Because he, Mm -hmm. he, the Evan Mobley's ability to defend out on the floor is, 
is would make him basically be him and Bam would be the centers that could really do that. I think that's one of the differentiators that I use between a five and a four. Like yeah, well I, the bigger thing I actually the the reason that I have him as a four is because of that defense, as you said. Like it just seems like he. I mean, maybe he would just be starting at five for some of these teams. Like, and I think two or three years from now he'll have filled out enough. But I, I think on most teams, just as young as he is, I still think at least to start most coaches would start a center next to him man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling okay so i want to i want to dig into something with evan Obley that i think is really fascinating so first yeah. of all like the film on his defense is is very good like and, yeah. and at times especially in the last month or so it's been elite so one of the reasons i would guess that the box score centric the all-in-one measures haven't been enthusiastic about evan Mobley's defense is that the Cavs have actually allowed more points when mobley's been on the floor than when he's been off however a significant part of that is that cleveland opponents are making 40% of their threes when Evan Mobley's on the floor and 34% when he sits. 
it's it to me is very reminiscent of that Kawhi Leonard year where it seemed like his defense had taken a step back it ended up taking a step back two years later but that idea that the context here is not apples to apples and the things that Evan Mobley is supposed to do well protecting the rim uh, in terms of in terms of frequency in terms of success like that stuff has generally helped I, the the Cavs have the Cavs are defending the rim better when he's on the floor versus off and when you consider that a lot of the Mobley off minutes do include Jared Allen when Jared Allen is healthy enough to play like that sample is actually pretty telling and so the idea that what like I'll use defensive VPM last year Evan Mobley plus 2.3 defensive VPM was 96th percentile was one of the best in the whole NBA and this year Evan Mobley is down to plus 0.7 which is the 76th percentile so last year I'm pulling the stat right now Mobley was he was like 15th in defensive VPM and then this year he's way below that I think and I don't know I don't have access to the models in enough granular detail that he's getting blamed for things that aren't his fault and I, when I watch him I think he's growing there and so the idea that Mobley can defend in some ways the case is sort of similar to Jaron Jackson except that he doesn't have the three-point shot where he can defend in a variety of schemes and in different places within that scheme and he can he's limited offensively but like he's not killing you necessarily but the other big part and this is a parallel with Mobley and Draymond Green is that Mobley's gifts defensively allow you to both make up for his deficiencies on offense should you so choose and still have a credible defense like that's the thing that I find so fascinating about him is you have to it's a really really high bar but I think Mobley hits it better than almost anybody no I, I'm in agreement I'm this is one where I'm not buying the defensive models I mean there are a lot of players that the defensive models really like that I'm lower on because I watch the film and there are some people that those models are lower on and Mobley is one of them I mean it just if you watch the Cavs like he's he's not getting beat on his switches he's a a real problem for opponents when he's defending the rim so yeah I I think it was to me he's clearly the third best defensive power forward and I think just he's, I think he's fourth but we're so Giannis, Giannis oh, oh yeah yeah sorry sorry yeah I was yeah I would say fourth yeah I was I Giannis is so high up on my list in a separate tier that like when I scanned it I didn't see him <laughs> because he was so, so high above everyone else as I was like scrolling through it so yeah yeah fourth is correct thank you um so and I I have him again because of his rim protection ability there are other very good defensive power forwards but they're more guys who are good because they can switch and they can play on the perimeter your Aaron Gordon your PJ Tucker types uh your Jaden McDaniels etc so and I think w- when you provide more as a help defender I think that puts you in a separate class there so yeah I, I moved I had Mobley down again just due to the offense and some of the fit concerns and I think once we get to the point where we're ranking him as a center then I think I would almost kind of move him up a, l- a little bit so I'm open to that argument and I think you know especially having him above Randall or Siakam like I I could see that we also just haven't seen Mobley in the playoffs yet either so that that's uh not that Julius Randall has covered himself in glory in the playoffs necessarily but uh it'll be interesting to see there I I certainly understand your perspective anyone else that you want to hit on here next uh or I could take the lead with the other two guys I have in Mobley's group you could take the lead with them I have a next group that's a little bit larger I and so that'll be that can lead to an interesting discussion yeah we'll lead to one I, I think so the other two guys that I have in this group with Mobley and I have them there because of their defense and that's uh Aaron Gordon and Jeremy Grant now Aaron Gordon has great offensive advanced stats 
And if you look at the number, the on-off numbers, the Nuggets are like so much better with him on the floor offensively. Well, that's because he plays exceedingly little without Nikola Jokic. And I, I don't think that Aaron Gordon is like some great offensive power forward. He's been ridiculously efficient this year. But a lot is that, of that is just due to <laughs> taking wide open three-pointers or more being set up around the rim. Yeah, who who, who could have who could have known, like must have been a massive internal improvement for Aaron Gordon to go from being like 53% was his best two-point percentage before he went to Denver that he's now been over 60% the last two years that's that's clearly just massive growth from Aaron Gordon in his mid-20s some of it yeah. sure he has gotten well, better well it is, it is in in the sense of shot selection and that he doesn't take as many bad shots anymore that's that's good it's it, it is but I, I I think that some of that would revert if he's not playing with Surely. with Jokic and I'm encouraged that Gordon is he's making more threes this year he's at 37% career 33% this is also the lowest three-point attempt frequency of his career and that is viable if you're making twos at the rate that Aaron Gordon is. But if you, you know, I think these Nuggets players, when it comes to the models, when it comes to a lot of different things, they're getting credit and getting these, you know, efficiency credit and all these things for things that, that Jokic is doing. And it's, you know, in a, in a way, it's kind of similar to the bigs that played with Chris Paul, where it gets hard sometimes to separate out these things. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to give them a grain of salt. I do have Aaron Gordon in this tier in significant part, because even if you regress him back offensively to roughly the player he was maybe like a stepped up selection version of what he was on the magic he's still good enough defensively to be in this next like that's that's the thing with gordon he is versatile he can do he can do on ball stuff he can be a help defender he is a capable defensive playmaker i don't think of that as like a massive forte for him but it is he can be and he can absolutely be a part of a successful defense gordon has done that for years he has done that not only with denver but he has done that elsewhere and jeremy grant the player that he replaced well, into, can, can i sure. can i bring break in here for a second sure, I'm, I'm still kind of torn and I want to tell you about who some of the guys I have in the next tier are and kind of talk about whether your next tier might be the same as mine that's all right. one tier right yeah no no exactly that's why I want to discuss this so like whether Gordon and, and I think there is a, my thought on Gordon and Grant is these are the only two guys remaining that I feel comfortable with as like above average on offense and defense or at least in in Grant's case like you know he can defend threes like quite adequately same thing with Aaron Gordon and so I don't think there's anyone else below these guys where I feel comfortable about their ability to defend threes as the lead guy in the playoffs and also still be solid on offense I have one more okay and I actually have him ranked above Aaron Gordon and that's Jaden McDaniels yeah his offense is too bad to me and I I also am concerned I think his his offense is better like if you if you change the context like if you swapped Jaden McDaniels and Aaron Gordon right now Jaden McDaniels offensive numbers would be just as good if not better than Aaron Gordon's yes I I disagree I disagree with that I think I actually would trust Aaron Gordon to make an open three probably more than McDaniels I mean so Aaron Gordon and McDaniels Aaron Gordon's is a career like, 33% three-point shooter total like this year is the aberration for him and Jaden McDaniels is shooting what 38% this year like and Aaron Gordon's attempt rate is actually like his career attempt rate and his current one are lower than McDaniels yeah you know you're you're probably right about that I'm probably giving him too much too much credit as a shooter so they're probably about the same as a shooter but I don't think that McDaniels has anywhere near the inside game sure of Gordon I also don't think I don't think that matters that much like you're it, you it is a significant 
significant portion of their attempts just because these guys don't, you know, they, they don't take no, a ton no, of... I think it does matter, though. Like, if you, if you, like, McDaniels could not play the same role with Jokic that Gordon is playing, like getting these duck-ins, getting offensive rebounds, dunking on people's heads under the basket. Like, he's too skinny for that, and he's not explosive enough. I think he could do a credible, he could do a credible enough job. Like, I, it's, it can be a disagreement. That's totally yeah. fine. Um, no, I mean, and, and McDaniels has, shows some intriguing rim protection stats as well to get that from the four. Like, I, I, I'm just, especially like last year in the playoffs, he was, he was pretty useless on offense, except for I think one game he, he hit like four threes or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm just not like Gordon, he's just a veteran. Like he just knows how to play more. Like I'm not sure that like that McDaniels could really just execute at a playoff level. Like it, I think he could get up there for me in a couple of years, but I, I just haven't seen enough from him to well, and have him a, another Another factor in this for me is that Jane McDaniels is 22. So like he, he'll fill out a little bit. He can, his game will continue to improve like Gordon this is age 27 season like he's having his best year in part because of the context that we've discussed and so I think there's more room to grow and I think the two of them defensively at minimum they're comparable and I think there are arguments that Jaden McDaniels has been better yeah see I'm not sure about that I don't know if Jaden McDaniels could guard Kawhi or LeBron the way that I think is the lack of strength still I'm not sure that I I believe like I think maybe you could make the argument that McDaniels is better on guys in the perimeter and gives you more rim protection but just to be in in the specific role of like being a playoff stopper against big wings i i'm not a believer in him the way i would be and i think there's 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 merit to that approach i also think that in the overall defensive profile so like you're right that those are higher leverage opportunities and minutes but like let's say over let's say as a regular season defender not that many teams have those kinds of wings and the thing mcdaniel's being able to do a lot of different elements of defense very well can can lead to some really positive outcomes and i think that he has the capacity to eventually improve in that and it is true that the best teams you know if you're the idea is either of these players being like let's say the third best guy or fourth best guy on a top four team in the in the nba like in the conference finals like yeah I, I think gordon could be potentially more valuable in that specific circumstance and i do count that i just i might weigh it a little less heavily and, and like yeah because I, I didn't even have mcdaniels in my next group honestly for wow. just due to due to the offensive concern Okay. I mean, he's he's been he's above the positional average in terms of overall effectiveness. His role is relatively small, but it's not like oh, it's not in the like extreme extreme. Well, the the above the positional average in terms of overall effectiveness. What what do you mean by that? I mean, Jaden McDaniels has sixty one percent true shooting, and the average for the position is fifty eight. Right? Yeah, his usage is like comically low. So it like, is. It is. Yeah. I mean, that I I he's not going to have much much of a creation role. But like for me, the difference between so let's let's use Seth's total like Seth's total usage for me the difference between Jaden mcdaniels at roughly 20 and let's say like i'm trying to think of the right player because the problem is when you mention it like and let's just put it 24 let's not give any player there like that difference is generally shots going to somebody who can probably do a better job with it like you're gonna have players who are good enough offensively to fill those gaps and you're not gonna have the you know and he does the defensive stuff so like i'm fine conceding some of those possessions and if it was somebody at 30 or 40 obviously they're they're better like that they're, or they should be if they're getting that kind of role sometimes there's a wild Keldon Johnson appears but it's 
I think I think that sometimes the those marginal differences I'm a little less obsessed with than some um because the they're they're if you add those you're not generally creating those like that greater shots I will give Gordon credit though like some of the way that he can Aaron Gordon can improve that like can, that part is by things that he's doing inside the arc by being more active as a cutter by by doing that as you said like the putbacks and everything else like that that does help that does make things better I so, actually yeah, yeah I actually well, let have, me let me finish this discussion actually I think we're okay. we, we uh, I wanted to say the rest of this group and kind of talk about it. McDaniel's actually was a curveball for me because I actually have him in a group below this next group as well. There might not there might be more than one other curveball on how because yeah. you and I approach this a little differently. Okay. So I have this next group of guys that I think of as you know, more offensively focused guys. And uh so that's Franz Wagner, Paolo mm-hmm. Bancaro, Michael Porter Jr., Cal Kuzma, Tobias Harris, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Harrison Barnes. Um so all all of those guys are like solid guys at the position they can all shoot it well enough other than maybe Paulo but Paulo does more obviously as a as a creator not efficiently he's been one of the uh, least efficient offensive players in basketball uh, with that high of a usage but of, of course he's you know, I think been asked to do a ton for the magic this year and I think on a different team it could look better but none of these guys are really are guys I would consider above average defensively like I would consider Kuzma and Barnes and maybe Harris to be like adequate Wagner hasn't really shown that yet Yet. but all of these guys have you know are sort of some combination of very good offense and like below average defense versus solidly above average offense and average defense so that's that's how i created the rest of that group and, I, and the reason i put gordon and grant above them was because of their superior defense and offense that i would consider relatively calm i have one big disagreement with you and mm-hmm. it's kyle kuzma and i think kyle kuzma's offense is intensely overrated um the idea i mean kyle kuzma there are a couple of different perceptions about him that have persisted despite it not actually being the truth one is that he is like this good consistent shooter kyle kuzma has shot better than 34 percent like better than 35 percent twice in his career none of them were recent he isn't taking a super high volume he like, he actually is taking a higher volume this year but like, no he is taking a high volume yeah he's that, taking a high volume this year but 7.7 like, for 36 like he's shooting 33 percent. kudos like that's it's it's not and, and his playmaking has improved a little bit but i don't think of it as like super duper dynamic and so the idea that oh, oh you're gonna have to get out and guard him like I, I, it's to me like ha- the Kyle Kuzma has never, in part because he doesn't generate that many free throws, he's never had a league average true shooting. Like in his entire career, and Kyle Kuzma's 27. Yeah. But he's also at uh, 24% scoring usage. Like he could absolutely, well, I mean, maybe that's not true because like I think in Washington, he's improved enough to where if he were in a smaller role, the efficiency could ramp up. Although we, I admit that we didn't see that in LA. And we, and we didn't see it last year. Like, so he had 24 usage if we're using basketball references version last year. His true shooting was exactly exactly the same and um and his you know efficiency from three almost the same his efficiency for two almost the same yeah so i I admit he's probably the worst offensive player other than maybe barnes of this group but I also think he's probably the best defensive player. In this group. I, I think he's. I think he's passable. I think that he's fine. I, I actually have Kuzma multiple tiers down. I have him in the fascinating like, in the free start. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think that he does the things that he's good at. He doesn't do at a high enough level, and he's he's passable. Like that. That's why I have him below Harrison Barnes. A number of others. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. 
all on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. I'll walk through my tier five. Um, yeah. We've talked about almost all these guys already. Of course, we've already discussed Julius Randle. Um, Michael Porter Jr. here. He His defense is taking slight steps forward, but somebody who can take three-pointers, not only with the volume, but also the versatility of his jump shot, that really matters to me because that yeah. means you and can I, do- And I think on another team, he'd be taking maybe even more. He's taking nine per 36 minutes and hitting 41%. And last year, you know, he didn't look right when he played and then he missed the whole rest of the year. And his durability concerns are definitely something I consider here but they don't they aren't necessarily they don't they, they move they weaken his case but they don't fundamentally change it and the other part like so i ended up with porter over like we have a very similar group but you know within the same well, tier one other, one other thing on porter before you move on this oh, I'm not is moving now on. the only oh, okay all right i was gonna say this is the, this is the next guy in this group with a max contract he, he is Wh- whoops yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, whoops to an extent um and so i think that mpj the the other thing that is so fascinating when we talk about it, so like and i agree with your general approach of valuing the like guys you can defend wing pretenders wing def- like that can defend those high level wings michael porter jr's three-point ability is actually the more rare skill than these than these guys and that incidentally and it's so funny that porter jr and jeremy grant used to be teammates porter jr and aaron gordon are current teammates is that he is a such a fantastic compliment for those types of players. And it, so I think that having him here is deserved the durability. I mean, so the last two years, Porter Jr. has been a basically a full-time starter and been healthy for two years out of the last three. One of those years, he shot 40, this year, 42% on 8.93s, overall true shooting, 63%. Two years ago, 45% on threes, taking 7.2 per 36 and had 66% true shooting. You Even if you give him the Jokic bump and take that away, which I would do, you still have a nasty nasty offensive player and defense isn't great but it's not i don't think it's abysmal anymore and and porter jr has good enough positional size that you're not going to go after him that way actually the way that i like going after michael porter jr is through like either weak side actions or that kind of thing you can do it it's more of a playoff thing than anything else but like how i I mean porter jr's offense versus let's say like franz Wagner. i have them both in the same tier but it's a different it's a different kind of thing um i we already brought up that so so my group is porter yeah but one more thing on Porter, sorry. Sure. Lowry Markinen, what he's done this year, that's basically what I once hoped that Michael Porter Jr. could be. Where, like, more physical as a driver, some isolation ability, like, amazing finisher, and also, like, offering some rim protection. Like, that's what I hoped we would get to with Michael Porter Jr., and unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe due to the health issues, maybe due to him just not being that good. Also, only plays 29 minutes a game, which I think is is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I mean, with the back issue, 
issue, you wonder yeah. about recurrence. Like it's it's a that is a persistent enough issue that it does factor in. It's not a one off. You messed up your knee or you have a tool, you know, whatever, like ankle injury or anything yeah. like that. Um. So okay, I'll just run through all my guys. So Randall, we've already discussed Porter, Jeremy Grant, Jane McDaniel's, Franz Wagner, Aaron Gordon. Um. So and we should probably talk Wagner then, right? We we should. And Wagner, I've been I continue to be impressed by the magic need asking him to do more than I think in an ideal role that he quote unquote should and doing it well. But also this year, in part because they've had Wendell Carter more available and just this team maturing, Franz Wagner has also showed that while he won't be the best player in it, he can be a part of a successful team. And that was a really important threshold for me. The idea that he's he's not going to get attacked too much. He's not going to be like a huge negative. He can be he can be a part of it. And I think at times he's a real positive for them. And like him and, and Paolo are they 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 can fit this and Wagner, I would think of him more as a capable three point shooter rather than a high level guy. And his ability to drive makes Wagner an intriguing fit. And this is the part the part of his game that I liked the most when I didn't like him as a prospect was I think he can do very well as a smaller part of a really good offense. And he's shown me more that he could be a bigger part of a worse of a he could be a bigger part of an offense than I expected, which generally when you show those skills at, a, at an early part of your career, that bodes extremely well for your continued development. Yeah, and I think as the Magic get better and as we're able to see Wagner in higher pressure environments, I, I might feel more comfortable with having him higher. And you know, I still, other than the driving and finishing, like I'm not, there isn't really any other aspect of his game I look at that's particularly compelling at this point in time. Like, okay passer, okay cutter, does nothing to protect the rim at all defensively, no. which is, is kind of too bad. You know, And I haven't, he definitely doesn't get like the big, defensive assignments i mean i think a lot of times they've even gone with paulo over him to say guard like a jason tatum type of guy uh, as the primary matchup and so i do wonder about how quick his feet really are laterally um so so i as a deep i'm not really sure that he's not low-key a defensive liability and we just kind of haven't realized it yet because he, he, of the he situation might be, he's been in he might be getting the non-playoff bump like the idea that yeah, we haven't exactly. we haven't seen we haven't seen that but the idea of wagner at this point being a competent piece on a capable team. I, th- I think that's fine, but expecting more at this point is probably a little bit unfair. And I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now I feel worse about it if the Magic have gotten to the point where they're playing more significant games and they're like, ah, shit. And like, and I ended up having Wagner in this tier and Paolo a tier below. And I think Paolo Bancaro is a better prospect than Franz Wagner, but we're doing it for a year. And Bancaro, his three-pointer hasn't come along. It, the shots are more difficult than I expected, and he's getting to the line a ton, which I absolutely love. So I think he's doing well, but the idea of like, where does he fit? Like, I think actually there's this weird parallel. I was, when I was working on my rankings, I was thinking about Bancaro in the context of Julius Randle and that I wonder like his, how his game fits in with like better and worse teammates right now. Eventually I don't have those, like I don't have those concerns five years from now, but I still do have them in the immediate. Yeah. I think actually Bancaro's offense could look a lot better on a different team. Scaling down his usage. So kind of like not even scaling down his usage, but just playing with anybody who can shoot the ball that would be nice yeah i mean do they do the match i mean i guess you know gary harris is uh he's a low volume guy but he i mean terrence ross couldn't make shots for them or or a a a guard who consistently creates advantage like that is another like if so if he can do more of the like get maybe he could actually be the screener in pick and roll how about that You know, I, like there is a lot more versatility to his game that could really be interesting that just because they have no spacing on this group, 
that I, I so so this again I mean maybe this is more me overrating him as a prospect and not realizing where he's at as an actual guy that helps you win but I think on most teams he could actually be putting up way more efficient stats than he is and not even necessarily in a smaller offensive role I, just, I do actually have questions about his ability to I mean now maybe like getting some duck-ins or something like imagine if like Paolo Bancaro could play as just the second worst shooter on the team right like <laughs> with with us or even God forbid, like a five out uh, or or a stretch five, you know, something like that. So, well, and um, the other big thing for Bancaro is he's been better defensively than the film, and and we've we, you and I have already kind of baked the, that the, into. You're it. talking about the the pre-draft film, yeah, the pre-draft film, like the film yeah. of him at Duke was abysmal, but he's shown more capability, and I think of Bancaro more as a like more of like a neutral rather than a deep value add, but he has the capability, especially like an adept passer. I could see him being maybe somebody who forces more turnovers than you think, but isn't necessarily, and is he's pretty physically stout, like he can get into some of those, but. But isn't necessarily doing the like switching his feet being great like quick feet on the perimeter defending like a, a guard in a switching scheme like can do what you ask of him but you probably maybe you want a jeremy grant or an aaron gordon next to him defensively to take on those hard assignments and he can freelance a little bit behind it yeah so uh, i'll add in we haven't talked to harris or boyan or barnes you you seem to have them more i ultimately was sort of like hey if you swapped those guys in or out for these other guys and the the roles and teams that they have like you know you might have be a little worse offensively or a little better defensively in some of the circumstances or you know Boyan is not great as a defender but he's you know a better shooter probably a better fit guy than a lot of these guys are because he shoots the ball that way they all just kind of seem the same to me I really couldn't differ like Barnes is the guy I probably focused on the most as maybe deserving to be lower but also he's someone who could be doing more offensively on a different team his usage has been lower but he also is like one of the most efficient guys in this group and probably even though he's not a number one stopper on the perimeter none of these guys are probably the best one-on-one defender of all the guys we've been mentioning at this point even if he's not amazing so i, I think they're and maybe one of the better spot-up shooters too so i i think it's it's all all, all these guys i have them at 11 through 17 don't really have like a great feel of like you know is barnes or kyle kuzma better i know you had kuzma lower or is barnes or tobias harris better or Boyan better than Barley. I just, I couldn't really decide. Like some teams might rather have one, some teams might rather have another. So that's why I just have them all in this group. I have, other than Kuzma, I have a lot of those guys in a group as well. It's just my group is 14 to 20. And also yeah. we've already so, talked so about So we're pretty much in the same yeah. range here. We got yeah, the I just don't have them in the same but, tier as yeah. like a uh, Franz Wagner or somebody like that. I think that Wagner can contribute in more different ways. And and the other part for me is the idea of just the narrow passage of time that like Wagner has shown he's grown a lot over the last couple of years and Barnes and, well, I mean, Bogdan could we could see a real downgrade for i mean his, his shooting has been great the last couple of years but like he has had some rough defensive stretches during time and also a player who could get the non-playoff bump defensively like i mean he was so bad last year when the jazz made the playoffs like that was i mean all of them were. you're talking about well I, I would actually disagree on that a little bit i think he definitely can't stay in front of anyone who's fast like but that that's a lot of guys the power force I, I don't I even thought, know that he can he stay actually, in front of someone who's average speed well like he at least could like hold up in the post he actually like there 
there was one game where he like started pressuring Luca full court. Like he'll give decent huh. effort. Luke, you know, I mean, Luca's I mean, Luca is like one of the more favorable, like of really good players yeah. matches. No, no, I agree. I mean, like more, he's better against more kind of power focused yeah. players, but he at least has some intensity. Like he has some strength. He's not going to just get run over. Uh, although obviously you can get around him quite easily. <laughs> you can. Um. So the other players in this in this group, so from fourteen to twenty, I and I think we again we are pretty similar. We so we've already talked about Bojan. We've talked about Barnes. We've talked about Paolo Bancaro. We've talked about Tobias Harris. So the other players that you have, haven't mentioned here, all of whom, it's funny, these were the guys that I was considering moving down. So that's why I could, this could be a useful conversation. Mm-hmm. John Collins, I I think that they're like, he is a player who I think the ecosystem has hurt as great of an offensive player as, as Trey Young is just because he can't be the focal point. They have Capella and everything else. Um, Collins is an improving but still not good defender. Like that's the general way of put it i wish he could be better at center just hasn't really worked out they do have limited perimeter defensive talent that's been a part of the story so i i think there's a better john collins than the collins we've seen in some ways it's similar to the argument that i made about kevin porter jr back when we did the two guard rankings the other ones and i'll just lay them well, all let, out. let me let me hear sure. on collins much lower to me uh and i mean this once we get below this next group i actually have like a huge group from you know probably in the, the 25 to like 40 even 45 range mm. but and so i kind of care classified those guys all as just like by kind of the roles that they play but i have john collins is kind of the role of an a backup offensively slanted power forward and the biggest reason for that to me and he's probably a little bit better defensively than some of these other guys like a george niang or a pj washington or a Rui hachimura or santi aldama aldama's shown a little bit of room protection but or marcus morris i also had in that group he's really slipped defensively but uh just the inability to make threes this year like that totally changes things for me on John Collins to where I, I'm not sure I don't think he's a start level it's, player right now so he I think is being hurt by this by playing through a wrist issue and the idea like I, I'm I'm willing to think that John Collins he's taken a fair amount of threes over the years career well, 30 wrist you mean the finger or, or finger sorry new, finger yeah yeah you had yeah. the finger that was like you know eight times its normal size last right year that exactly it, yeah. so like John Collins he's taken enough threes so like career 35 percent he was and he's was well above that in recent years before this year i i don't think that the, you know all of a sudden at age 25 like as long as his finger is a more normal well, size I, I mean he might need to get surgery on it or something like it doesn't it, it's been like a year and it, it doesn't yeah, i think it's better. been a few months um no but, no no. it was last year it happened as last year's playoffs is when that you first might be popped right up. you have a better memory on these things than yeah I do. no for sure because um, he missed remember he missed like i think he might have had a lower body issue too but he he like didn't play i think until like game three of that playoff I think it wasn't the finger. I think it was like an ankle or something like that. Uh, but but anyway, yeah. So I, this is this is a while here. I, I like unless something changes in terms of a procedure or like I, I'm I'm sort of establishing a new baseline right now for shooting. Like it's just been so bad. Like if you were shooting 31 percent as opposed to like the mid 20s all year, I might feel a little better about it. But I'm kind of I'm pricing in that he is not shooting the ball well right now. You you have sufficiently convinced me. I have moved John Collins into my next larger group. Um, which now runs from 20 to 30. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Okay, let's go through the next one. Yeah. Grant Williams. Yeah, so Grant, this is maybe can be folded into a larger discussion. I've got him in the 18 to 22 range with the following. Nick Batum, Jay Crowder, Kenrich Williams, and this is where I had Jaden McDaniels as guys who are providing you with solid enough playoff level two-way play at this position. I toyed with having P.J. Tucker and Larry Nance in this group too, but I think their offenses maybe fall into a level, and Nance is almost more of a center, but, uh, you know, so may- maybe he should end up being ranked there next year. But uh, so that that's where I had all these guys. It's just like solid defensively, not going to get attacked, give you enough on offense to keep the wheels going. Uh, McDaniels is probably the one I'm most concerned about there. Uh, and then again like and these are the the last of the guys that i would feel if i'm a good team i would feel comfortable with as either the starter or in the case of batum we probably can't play starter minutes maybe even crowder as a, a closer at the four once you get below this i'm like man that you you got too many weaknesses now and it's not going to be great for you trying to have this guy closing a playoff game for you speaking of too many weaknesses the last guy that i have in this group and the one that i felt the most uncomfortable with even though i absolutely love him is Herb Jones and with Herb Jones the defense is obviously there like he he can do he can defend a lot of different ways you know he can be on ball he can do off ball he forces turnovers at a at an extremely high rate you know steal rate is bet was we were like oh man 2.7 percent last year identical this year but Herb Jones the we the jumper like hey if he's sh- if he's shooting 33 34 percent that's not great and he doesn't take a ton of them but maybe that's enough to like keep him afloat unfortunately for Jones and and arguably even more unfortunately for the Pelicans, I can't trust that 34%. And so I think that I'm going to move him down in part because the idea that as good as Herb Jones is on offense, the, uh, the uh, defense. Uh, sorry, on defense, the limitations on offense mean that coaches are going to face some of those tough decisions. Whereas, like, I think Grant Williams is capable enough, and like he can make sometimes make good decisions with the ball in his hands. Like, he's not going to create an advantage, but if the advantage has been created, he can do reasonably well. And like Grant Williams doesn't take a ton of threes, but he actually has made them at a reasonable rate for a couple of years in a row now. Yeah, so he's got that little sidestep move down mm-hmm. now. Like he, he's the. I, I consider him totally adequate as a shooter at this position. So yeah, I, I have moved I have moved Herb Jones down as well, but he's in this yeah. next group. And like, so the way I've just... Just watching him not get guarded over and over again this year, I think you might say on a different team, he could find a way to be more effective offensively because he can grab and go. He's a decent passer, a decent driver, you know, a decent cutter. But I, I, yeah, again, like, and we did that game the other day and this hammered it home. I've seen it in numerous games this year of him just being left wide open and i mean he's basically he's probably if not top in the league probably top 10 in terms of how open his three pointers are and he still is shooting this terrible percentage my next group um so it's funny i actually usually have some some clear lines um i actually had to kind of fold him in just because of the way the tiers worked out i i like to describe it as fringe starter and better backup you do it split by role i don't 
I just have them as the, and that, but that's kind of the idea here is like, it's a lot of eye of the beholder stuff. Like what sort of thing do you need from this position? And the other part that I think makes this group so fascinating thematically is a lot of teams end up kind of not having as many choices in this area and would choose someone different if they had the ability, but you can't really like, that's the way this often works out. So, you know, like we've talked about Jake Crowder and I have Kenrich Williams here who I like, but he has these very specific limitations or the other way you well, can describe well, so, this. So go back a second. We haven't talked about Kenrich yet. What are what do you view as his limitation? Because I I see him as solid defensively, very good as a help guy. Uh, shot the ball very well. This that was the biggest thing I needed to see from him. And I, yeah, let me see what his final three point stats ended up being. Yeah, it actually it fell down a little bit. It, he was shooting over forty percent. So yeah, he's actually he, he may actually be a little. I'm I'm open to moving him down actually because we also haven't seen him defend playoff level. So yeah, all right, I, I'll, I'm gonna take him out of the group that I had him in uh, and move him down to this next group. Let's see. I'm trying to think about so, who else. There, there you go. You don't even have to answer my question. I just <laughs> I just answered it for you. There we go. Um, some other guys I have in this group that we haven't discussed at all, and they were some of the ones that were harder for me to place. This is where I ended up with Scotty Barnes. Um, yeah, this is he is a very hard one to place because of his he just like he's he's more prospect than player in some ways at this point. Yeah, the I could because Scotty Barnes like there's this idea that especially because of where he plays, Raptors partisans usually are, articulate that if you have the ball in his hands, good things happen. Eh, I'm not quite. I, I don't like it's it's in some ways it's similar to me with to Josh Giddy, where I don't personally on offense I don't think of Scotty Barnes as good enough. You know, this is the juices worth the squeeze good enough to create enough advantages that you're going to lean on him and the big problem paralleling again josh giddy is that if he's not doing that we're getting more and more information that scotty barnes as a complimentary player is a rough fit i mean this year scotty barnes shooting 30 percent on 3.1 threes per 36 minutes it is of course a developmental priority for him it has to be and it still at this point isn't there and below well below league average in true shooting well below positional average in true shooting and so the playmaking usage being up there, sure, that's that it's nice to have, but like you have that and then with Barnes, there's also like the idea of him versus the execution is that he has the physical tools to be a capable defender, and I think he's been he's been improved this year from last year, but he's not like good or great yet. He could be in time, but he hasn't been yet. Yeah, I mean I personally I don't think I have seen a ton of growth this year defensively. He's got a negative defensive EPM zero negative zero point two at the moment. Uh and yeah, just that 53% true shooting and 20% usage is not great. And and I mean, a lot of teams are able to just like put their center on him with few, if any, consequences. And that's a, that's a big problem for team building. I mean, we've seen this. He has a lot of similarities with Ben Simmons, except he doesn't bring to me the level of passing or transition ability that a young Ben Simmons did. Little better shooter, and, and, but you know, not enough that it's like a huge difference. And then he's nowhere near the defender that a younger Ben Simmons was either in uh, compared to giddy who we had at small forward because barnes at least has a little bit more defensive juice than G- giddy does it's not, not even close to more than uh, but i do like giddy's offense more because of what i would consider his elite passing as opposed to solid passing in barnes's case so yeah i mean for for barnes i really you know he's i probably have him in like the 30 to 40 group yeah uh, i'm i might move know? i might move him there i i had yeah. him in i'm this group is 19 to 30 for me so it's a pretty big group but i yeah. i think i'm gonna move him i'm gonna move him there and, and the idea is also that uh, like 
understanding this exercise is not future focused it's present focused and so like barnes he has elements to him that he can improve and i'm sure some people would point to oh we won rookie of the year well i didn't think he deserved it and hasn't and also hasn't been significantly better as a player i would argue in many ways he's been worse this year than last year there are a few other guys that i have in this general area um one of them is batum in part because i just don't think he can play more minutes right now like yeah. he's 25 last year 22 this year so even if you thought he was starter quality you can't lean on Batum as if he were a starter. I I ended up putting Keegan Murray here. Um, his place with the Kings has been, it, it's kind of hard, at times it's hard to parse. Like, I, I still think he can be a capable defender, but he hasn't really done a ton of that. And then, like, his offensive role, like, it's just, it's yeah. really low. He's definitely well above average as a shooter for the position. He is. And, and like, not not having a, like, he has basically no role as a creator, which is something I thought potentially, but, I mean, they have Sabonis, they have De'Aaron Fox. Like, you don't necessarily need Keegan Murray to do that. And yeah. defensively, he's been a negative so far i don't think of it i i part of why I put- yeah I, I mean i think he's a negative because they're maybe asking too much of him exactly like if, if you're going to compare let's say like i think he's pretty close as a shooter to guys like george niang or sam hauser uh but i think he's like i think he could actually be adequate defensively and, on a playoff team and i think murray has the ability to have a larger role within his offense whereas i don't think sam hauser could i don't think george niang could and so i'm willing to give him a benefit for that purpose yeah, I, I would say he's even better defensively than someone like Marcus Morris, for example. So I like, and again, it, for a rookie on a team that's never been in the playoffs, you're kind of, it's tough to be sure about these things. But I think he does bring, like, he's he's a guy who is going to fit very well, I think, on your team. Um, let's see, who else do we need to talk about here? We could probably, there's so many of these guys, we probably need to start running um, through them I'll, faster. So is there anyone like you really like want to talk about? I thought about, so I didn't put him in this, my group is 19 to 30. I didn't put Dario Sharch there, but I thought about it. Do you yeah, I think to... he's just too slow at this point. He's almost more of a center defensively now. Yeah, it's funny. At the time when he was playing the five at, in Phoenix, it seemed like, oh, they're playing a power forward at center. And now it's like, well, can he really defend anything else? Not not the greatest rim protector, but makes a lot of good decisions, like can be a part of a successful team. Oh, PJ Washington, I had in this 19 to 30 group, and I had real trouble figuring out what in the hell to do with him. Yeah, I think his, his defense is just too bad. And, and he also, like, what, what does he really do for you offensively that's so great? Other Like, all right, maybe he could drive a closeout. He could make shots okay, but he's not. I wouldn't consider him elite there. Like he's played small ball five in the past, but that's basically just because not that he's good at it, but just because their centers weren't any good and they just wanted to space the floor and go all offense. Uh, so I mean, I, I kind of had him again in this offensive power backup power forward. Yeah, I, I think he fits. He fits better as a as a backup. That is that is a, yeah. a totally fair. A to- I, I mean, now you could say that about you know probably anyone below like the mid twenties on this. Right? Sure. Right? Like I don't I don't know that I see there being more than twenty guys at this position that I would really feel comfortable at uh, comfortable with going into a playoff series as my starter in close. I wouldn't say there's anybody else in this general area that's screaming we need to discuss him. Um, I have yeah. I, let, let me see if I can hit a couple more here. There are a couple um, in my twenty nine yeah. to forty four that I'd like to discuss. Okay, go for it. Santi Aldama, intriguing. I wish I wish he like there are times where it's like oh the three pointer is flashing a little bit, but there yeah, there are times that he shows a little bit defensively i want to see more consistency from adama i think we'll get that over the next year but and especially unfortunately with with brandon clark being out for a while like he's going to get these opportunities i'm just not completely sold that he'll do all of it yeah i think that's a a fair summary and a few other names i haven't mentioned either like i kind of i have sort of i separated these guys into more offensively focused backups and defensively focused backups if you force me to choose I'm probably 
more interested in moving some of these defensively focused backups into a larger role and let's just hope that they can make enough shots uh like Jonathan Kuminga I had in this group Patrick Williams Denny Avdia Kyle Anderson I still would put Robert Covington here um Nasir Little is a very interesting guy to me because his shooting stats are actually starting to get kind of intriguing but also it's hard to conclude that his defense is a big plus at this point we just haven't seen enough from him there Mm -hmm. Uh, but the the shooting stats are interesting Uh, Nasir Little 5.7 per 36 and hitting 40 percent of them but the overall sample probably isn't enough only 821 minutes to make some severe conclusions on that but just something to keep an eye on uh, for him and um this is where i had brandon clark who i mean it sucks that he's gonna miss a year yeah i mean i guess we have to consider him coming back from an achilles as well Mm -hmm. so and and yeah he's he is one of these guys who can play center but can't really like even at the four i don't think he's can defend on the perimeter the way i really would like my power forwards who aren't stars to be able to do so yeah and especially coming off the achilles very reliant athleticism at least he's more of a two-foot jumper so the achilles hopefully won't bother him quite as much there but he's he's one of these like quick pop off the floor guys too it's almost much more uh like that quick jumping maybe can be affected more with an achilles than the guys like really like you know have to load up a little bit more Um, is this where you had pj tucker uh no, I had PJ up a, a little higher. Same okay. with Larry Nance. I had those guys in the in the high twenties. I had I had Nance in the high twenties, and I had PJ Tucker in this group. I, the, yeah. I mean, his offensive role is really well, and I, I worry about his, the way he is aging. I mean, for any player in their mid thirties, it's going to be a concern. Yeah, Nance, I, I think probably should have been at center. Maybe eh, it's uh, fine. Next next year, we'll remember that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think I have Jay Sean Tate also in this group. Uh, who you just wonder if he were on a different team, like he takes wide open looks doesn't make many of them um you know i would say of all the guys over the next few months to move up like kaminga is the guy who might be able to do that probably gives you a little more offense than these guys and one of the better on ball defenders that's fluctuated throughout the years you might expect for a young guy doesn't give you much in help defense though we've seen it every once in a while um and then there's i I had this other group here as we're trying to wrap up because there's still a group of guys that we haven't mentioned yet that i just want to get into um i I've had laid lists as unproven guys. I like this is more in like the high 40s range. And that's a, a list of six guys. Uh, Vlatko Chanchar, Dean Wade, Jeremy Sohan, Anthony Lamb, Yuta Watsanabe, and Kenya Martin Jr. I was hoping you were going to say Utah, But yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a fair group. The one guy that is really hard for me to kind of fit into this, Jabari Smith has been bad most of the year, but he has looked better recently. So yeah, certainly some of the most potential to move up here because what he is supposed to be and could be is is you know very high level like he if you just make that skill set actually exist that he has the potential to get you're talking about a top 15 guy at this position very soon yeah and 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 his willingness to play center like there was that success that they had against the celtics intriguing um a lot of guys his size don't want to do that and it seems like smith understands that that could create competitive advantages for him which is exciting i i actually like him better with a speed advantage than a power advantage right now so it actually suits him reasonably well we'll have to see there um jeremy sohan i i really like a lot of what yeah you know like i don't know what to make of some of these high scoring games he's been having recently i mean i imagine it's more in that scotty barnes 
type of offensive level uh but i've he's also someone that when he was focusing more on his defense early in the season like i actually at one point i was kind of i was watching i was kind of thinking like this is the this guy has the potential to be the guy that everyone thinks that scotty barnes is going to be interesting i like defensively i like his on-ball defense a lot more i think he's he had some good help similar athleticism maybe even a little more um we'll see about the shooting potential like he's obviously had all the rope that he wants to just try and score this year but like when he if you just watch film of his big scoring games it definitely looks intriguing but of course the overall numbers are not good for someone who's being allowed to explore the studio space like this and it's not like he's positively impacting the worst defense in nba history at this point either overall uh someone that people might think could be higher is obi Toppin. he's not good enough to me on defense especially but also like his offensive game hasn't progressed enough and so like to me shooting a little better this year but that's but not enough to where i think like he at least is getting guarded out there now and taking him but not where he's like a positive shooting ball and yeah defensively like he he just has to be a backup because he just can't guard um I, did i say trey lyles and jeff green like those are both still kind of offensively focused yeah I, I have i have those guys in this general area as well uh chris boucher is more in that defensive focused backup group but just a guy who can't really be a starter whereas if you're gonna put a kaminga or an avdia or a patrick williams or a robert covington as a starter even someone like tate or Kyle Anderson like a lot of these guys who are kind of more combo forwardy like those guys can start to me much more easily than the combo big guys who like Clark is another one of these where it's just it's tough to play them as a starter either at the four or the five um let's just get the, we're, we're almost done here let's get through a few more guys i, I want to mention about. one not necessarily yeah. though he has done well in the g league but just as a kind of putting a pin in that i still love josh minot i think yeah we'll see i mean he hasn't gotten a chance yet I mean, but yeah some as someone who can make some plays defensively and and finish around there it could be interesting I mean, now is probably the time although we haven't reached the point yet i think if in our rankings that it would be worth bringing him up but we're just not going any lower is ben simmons it's yeah i mean so i have simmons in this like he He's the most awkward person in this tier of like definitely in a rotation, but not a starter. And his place. I, I mean, why is he even in a rotation at this point? It's murky. He, like, I, I mean, I'll, and also then you throw in the injury issues too. I mean, it's it's really. Yeah. He, and he almost and he almost really like he got moved to backup center because the offense got to be so bad. So he almost should be ranked as a center at this point. Yeah. I mean, and hey, another max contract. Um, We can. can... Oh, yeah. Finally. Finally, we got to one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Simmons, the it, the most disappointing part for me has actually been the defense, where the my fear had been that his offense was going to be consumed by the reluctance to shoot and how that the ripple effects, you know, some of which we eventually we talked about with LaMelo Ball as well. But I know, sorry, Lonzo Ball. Um, but Ben Simmons just not being near the level of defender that he was. Yeah. As, it, as he's a, a way worse version of Herb Jones on both ends at the point. Way, way worse on, on offense. And I would say worse. On, yeah, way worse on defense. Too. Yeah, I completely agree with that character. Yeah, he's not a defensive difference maker anymore. And Herb Jones, I would consider as still you know, probably a top 20 guy defending on the wing. Um, Kevin Love, I guess he still has to be a power forward, but he doesn't really have any kind of a defensive position. And maybe he could have fit more in that offensive backups group 
but hasn't had the same offensive season. We'll see if he can rediscover that with Miami. But yeah, not great for Miami to have a guy ranked probably 60th at his position starting right now. That's that's not great. It's not great. I, I do have, I had somebody who was ranked higher, I believe, in my small forward rankings because we had we had Martin there. Um, But that point stands. Jalen Johnson has shown some flashes lately as an on-ball defender, and but just, ha- just doesn't have a, a consistent enough of a track record on, on either end where in comparison to say Nasir Little has shown more as a shooter someone like Kaminga to me has shown more as a defender but you could see him getting into that group relatively soon Chumo KK sadly just hasn't been able to stay healthy certainly has a skill set that we like his three-point volume is last time he was healthy was actually like shockingly high although he wasn't making a ton of them and oh Poku I mean so Pokushevsky making his threes this year I mean granted he's only played in 31 games slowly making his way back with the OKC blue which is good to see and the rim protection numbers last i checked it he's actually 23rd in rim protection seth rim protection wins classified as a four which does boost his numbers because it shifts on positional averages i'm just not i'm not there yet on he's also really uh, he's played more as a five this season yeah and that that could make him look a little bit better but like i mean still poku despite shooting 30 37.6 percent on threes on reasonable volume still below league average like he's at 53 percent i was gonna say league average he's well below league average because he just isn't making twos and this thunder team actually like they're playing more spacing generally now than they were before it he the theory of poku is still alive and he does have these wild highlights but i can't put him higher than like the possibly rotation worthy category bull bull intriguing but uh, i the possession by possession impact stuff just isn't quite where i want it to be like he's he, he doesn't really have the jump shot his de- the defense is actually the bigger kind of in some ways the bigger surprise. I, I think you're right yeah like I, mean, I think there there would be some really interesting offensive stuff for him but uh, like he, he's one of the best shot blockers in the nba as long as he's not within 15 feet of the basket and, and like <laughs> and with the magic who have an unusual set of personnel like he's not the reason they've been successful when they've been successful defensively and like it, it, it he actually in some ways reminds there, there's always guys like this who have good shot blocking numbers and so people think they can be a rim protector that is not what bobo is not right now uh, and yeah i mean figuring out to, a way to get him to do more verticality plays at the rim would, would be nice and then from the offensive standpoint like he makes his shots but it takes him so long to get it off that he's really not as much of a shooting threat as you'd like him to be and i don't know if that's he's got this really long looping shot that i don't think is something that he's going to be able to improve the speed of the release on and poor, poor jonathan isaac uh, again oh. I mean, the the magic these guys with a lot of potential with the injuries you know J- jonathan isaac if healthy would certainly be you know it, at the top 30 of his position it, probably the you know what up in that group is one of the top five defenders here the guy who adds as a help defender in a way you don't normally get at this position but unfortunately you just you can't rank him really anywhere due to the the we have no idea when he's ever gonna be available consistently all right i think that is it here if you are listening on the public pod please consider becoming a subscriber coming on to the playoffs and we will talk to y'all very soon to finish out the week on dunked on prime till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.